Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. This episode of Michigan Minds is part of a series produced by the University of Michigan Public Engagement and Impact Office and the Office of the Vice President for Research in celebration of International Day of Women and Girls in Science. This episode features Dr. Erica Marsh, Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Michigan Medical School, Chief of the Division of Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility, and founder and director of the Onward Collaborative. Dr. Marsh explains her work, details the need for creating greater equity in STEM programs, and provides words of encouragement for those aspiring to work in STEM fields. I enjoy research because, um, for a number of reasons really. One, um, I'm a curious person by nature and uh, research is really about uh, uh, answering questions that, that we have. Uh, I think given my focus um, in reproductive health in particular, it's also uh, a, a way to promote equity and justice. Um, we often refer to things as being normative or, or, or baseline, and um, one has to ask, well, what populations were those data uh, um, collected from? When were they collected? Are they relevant to all of us or just certain, you know, some of us? And so a lot of the work that I do um, I do to to really kind of broaden our understanding of what normative data is across diverse populations that have historically been underrepresented in the collection of reproductive health um, uh, data, uh, both normative data and pathophysiological data. I, you know, I, you know, it's, it's interesting if you had probably asked me when I was applying to medical school, was I going to be a researcher? I, I don't know what I would have said. Um, I, I initially got nudged into research um, by my pre-med advisor uh, who, I was a non-traditional applicant. I had graduated from college and had done management consulting for a few years. Um, I was not a pre-med undergrad. And so she's just like, why don't, you, why don't you do research for a year while you're applying um, so you'll have something to talk about in, in your interviews. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And I um, had an incredible opportunity to do research at the um, um, Reproductive Endocrinology Unit at Mass General Hospital in Boston. I had an incredible mentor who, um, you know, her love for reproductive endocrinology for research was was contagious, um, and I. I, you know, I think it was I was I was smitten and bitten from there, if you will, um, because I saw the power of research as um, something that could uh, not just impact one patient, but impact a broad group of people, um, and and in a very beneficial way. I also saw it um, as a challenge, an intellectual challenge. Uh, 
um, and and I liked that. You know, how do you how do you using a human model? How do you answer questions about our basic physiology? Um, there's a lot of things you can do to mice or, or rats or or you know any other animal, but um, you're very limited in in what we can do to and as we should be limited in what we can do to um, uh, uh, you know the body human. Um, but you know how do we how do we um, challenge ourselves to to kind of ethically and safely answer questions about our physiology in the human model? And I learned a lot about that during that that um, introduction to research, and really have have stayed have stayed um, the fascination has stayed with me, and the calling has stayed with me as well. Being a clinical researcher, someone who who interacts with um, intact living human beings, um, brings its own challenges and, and opportunities. Um, one, you have to figure out how you can answer ethically and safely the question um, that you want to answer, and, and, and if you can answer it ethically and safely. Um, if the answer to that is, is yes, then you want to figure out, um, you know, there are questions about uh, equity and approach, and, and, and do, are you recruiting from a broad community? Are you, are you recruiting patients? And um, for me, most of the work that I do, or a lot of the work that I do, is, um, uh, involves recruiting from the community. So I, I work hard to be very intentional about uh, partnering with community organizations and community leaders um, to learn from them, to be educated by them, to partner with them, to understand uh, the, the um, most appropriate and culturally sensitive ways to recruit in a community at large. Um, um, that's been, uh, we use, uh, you know, approaches that are broadly under the um, umbrella of community engagement and range from, uh, um, you know, I think the, the, the um, you know, CBPR, community-based participatory research is really the, 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 one of the ideal models or approaches to that type of research, um, and you know ra we range from that to to you know more investigator-driven uh, questions. But basically, um, you know we hire and train individuals to um, both in the science of what we do, but also in the um, uh, in the safety of what we do, the compassion of what we do, to go out and engage with community members to recruit them. Um, um, very importantly, to educate them about the study um, in, an, in an objective way to answer questions and then um, we invite uh, uh, for, for, for participants who agree to or individuals who agree to be participants we invite them um, to actually come in and do study visits which um, for again for my studies involve anything ranging from blood draws it may involve a, a pelvic ultrasound it may involve um, them uh, uh, ingesting a glucose drink so that we can screen them for, for diabetes or prediabetes. And so all of that has to be in the consent process um, and all of that has to be shared with the community uh, steering, the community members that are part of, of my steering committee or advisory board um, for the purposes of, of transparency and trust. So 
um, we take all of those data typically from hundreds of individuals and we look at it uh, cumulatively to say, so what can we learn from you know, this specific group of individuals? Um, is it a group that self-identifies as Latinx um, females? Is it a group that self-identifies as uh, of individuals from African, of African descent um, and female? And, but what can we learn from different populations uh, uh, of individuals who have been frequently underrepresented in, in the medical literature and in research in general, um, and that may broaden our understanding of a, of a given aspect of reproductive health, um, whether it's um, how we age from a reproductive perspective or uh, from that to uterine fibroids, you know, the common tumors of the uterus uh, that we that are highly prevalent, that are the leading cause of leading cause of hysterectomy in the United States, and yet we know very relatively little about them in in many populations of, of women. The accomplishment that I'm most proud of is actually starting a pipeline pro program to get high schoolers interested in research and science and careers in medicine and careers in research. I know that's a very atypical response. Um, you know, I could, I could name, you know, one of my grants that I've gotten and I'm, and I'm proud of, of all the work that I do. Um, but I think that, that project being able to, to inspire, um, uh, young people who are, um, uh, from an inner city environment to um, who may not have had role models in medicine, in research, in science, um, and you know, inspire them to aspire to those types of careers and to remind them that, yes, this is absolutely something that you can do. And not only can you do it, we need you to do it. We need, um, we need your lens, your, your perspective, um, your questions uh, to be brought to the field to make sure that that, that we are asking all the right, quest right questions and that we are um, uh, being incredibly inclusive. So for me, it was, um, it was uh, basically building a, a scholar pipeline program for, for um, high schoolers um, that I'm most proud of. If you believe that, that um, uh, you know, men and women, boys and girls are are essentially, you know, equal beings, um, and yet you see the disparity when we get to certain fields. You have to ask the the question of why, um, and uh, you know, I think that um, our life experiences, our lived experiences, um, you know, the the more diversity we can get in every field, um, the, the the better the field, the stronger the field, the stronger the information that comes out of that field. And I think that's absolutely true for for STEM fields. I think it's particularly true for STEM fields where we where we're seeing um, we were we, we we see improvement, but continue to see um, a definite gender disparity. Um, uh, we um, we. You know, a lot of it is is tracking from an early age, um, and 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 expectations, and you know, in in preschool and in elementary school that that continue forward through middle school, uh, middle school and high school and college. Um, a lot of it is differential exposure. 
Um, uh, and um, you know, we we have to we have to address that. We 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 know that um, um, men and women, boys and girls, make good scientists, um, good researchers, good STEM educators, and. Um, uh, you know why not? Why not tap into all of our resources to get to get the best of the best? Um, when we leave women and girls out, we're leaving out half of the potential of the of, of those fields. Um, and so, um, in order to realize to fully realize um, all of all of science, all of technology, all of engineering, all of math, mathematics, um, you know. We, we need to leverage um, all the brains that we can, and that includes the brains and minds and potential um, and insights of, of, like I said, boys and girls, men and women. I think it's really important in STEM also to, to um, not only consider the gender inequities, but consider the, the, the racial inequities that we see um, uh, in STEM, um, to consider the ge geographical inequities, you know, uh, in terms of um, be it what part of the world you're born in or what part of the country you're born in. Um, did you grow up in a very rural area, suburban area, urban area? Um, uh, all of those things intersect to help shape our shape who we are and to shape uh, our opportunities in some ways. And I think it's really important for us to, um, uh, on this, in, you know, very special day that that's focused on women to really take the opportunity to also say, hey, um, um, we need to do better in the space of gender, but we also need to do better in these other um, in these other uh, uh, determinants uh, of of success. Um, drive you know these social drivers of success, if you will, um, that should not be limitations, um, but unfortunately are do present as limitations for, for many individuals who, who, um, who are either striving along this path already or who um, don't even know that this path exists because um, you know somebody has decided that they don't have the potential to be on the path, um, which is wrong. So um, um, as we celebrate um, women in research and women in science, um, also let us reflect about uh, reflect on all the other ways that we need to lift each other up and make sure we're giving everybody an opportunity to thrive um, in these incredibly important spaces that that um, drive so much of our lives and so much of our health. You know, when I first came to University of Michigan, I was so excited to be part of the, the research community here and the scientific community here. I'm based primarily at the medical school and was just overwhelmed by, by the level of collaboration and the breadth of of science that was taking place there, and but but also that had connections to the many other schools across the university. So it wasn't just oh the medical school is island. It's just like you know medicine and LSA, medicine and information, medicine and engineering. You know and 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 you know, the, the many other connections. Um, and so for, for me, um, uh, 
you know, being in that just incredibly fertile space for, for science and research, I said, you know, I, I felt like, okay, we can really answer and start to address some, some, some important questions, some tough questions, some questions that are, that, that are going to involve us actually leaving um, the walls uh, on the grounds of the university and going out into the communities that surround us and the communities that we serve. Um, and so one of the first things I did was to, to, to create Onward, which is the Women's Health and Reproductive Disparities um, Collaborative. Um, it was actually, the name was created by my team because I signed, um, I would sign my emails you know, onward exclamation point. And I was just like, you know, what, how do you, what do you want to, how do you want to define our work? And I thought it was really important to ask the students, the, the, the residents, the junior faculty, the, the, the RAs, the lab techs, you know, how do you see our work changing the world or having the potential to change the world and they they said let's let's take the word that you all we associate with you dr marsh and 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 use that um to represent that the work we do uh, to represent the work we do the research we do and so um you know it's an incredibly diverse team um, uh, in terms of, of gender, in terms of interest, in terms of education level, in terms of, of, of skill level. And we, you know, we've come together to really advance women's health and to address uh, um, reproductive disparities and hopefully learn from them and, and put an end to them. Um, at some point, so um, uh, very proud of the work that that they've done, that we do together, um, um, and that we'll continue to do. I think as a as a researcher, I want to be remembered for a, a really a couple of things. One is inspiring uh, individuals to to pursue research. Um, to consider them, you know, to, to see their inner researcher at a at an early stage in their education or career, um, and to um, to know that the questions they have are important questions. So, you know, I want to be mem remembered for being um, a, a mentor and a, and an inspirer, if you will. Um, and I want my research to be remembered for. Uh, again, redefining how, what we think of normative um, and making normative truly inclusive and not uh, reflective of one group of, of, uh, of individuals, but really inclusive of, of all of us. And um, um, so when we think of what is a normative menstrual cycle, what is a normative experience of this condition, what is, the, what is a normative um, uh, hormone level uh, of estrogen, progesterone, uh, FSH, LH, um, will know that that um, anybody who looks at that data will know that they're reflected in that, and and that's not just meaning for meaningful for for individuals that came from a certain part of the globe. Um, it's it's meaningful of all of us and for all of us. STEM still continues uh, in many ways to be um, STEM fields continue to be. Uh, a road less traveled or the road less traveled and I think we are we are making strides um, uh, there's still so much work to do 
and I would I would say to those who are who are on the path right now to um, you know don't give up um, uh, don't give in um, stay inspired um, you matter uh, your questions matter um, your presence matters uh, um, not only to to those of us here but to the many who who will hopefully be coming behind you and and with you um, um, there's going to be good days and, and hard days you know keep putting one foot in front of the other and um, um, know that you belong and know that you're needed you know keep doing what you're doing until you change the world Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.